Welcome to the ninth episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and today we're going to be doing a breakdown of UFC 255, and then we're going to move on and talk about some of the other fights that have been announced within the last week. So, starting off at the top of the card, we had Divison Figueredo versus Alex Perez. Now, for Figgy, this was an amazing performance. He looked great. A lot of people thought he was going to go out there and get the job done. I thought he was going to do it with strikes, but he got it done on the ground with an amazing transition into a guillotine. And once he gets you in that guillotine, it's done. He has a lethal guillotine. He finished Alex Perez with that guillotine. It was only about two minutes into the first round. So very quick, quick work for Figgy in that fight. Now, what we learned last night from Divis and Figueredo is that he is a problem. No matter who you put this man up against, he's going to be a problem. Not only is he probably the most powerful striker in that division, he is possibly the best grappler in that division. Which, those two things combined are a lethal combo. You obviously know that. That's not breaking news to anybody. But the the groundwork that he showed last night was outstanding. He was going up against a pretty good wrestler in Alex Perez. Alex Perez gets uh, is fighting for a takedown. Deveson transitions into a leg lock, causing Alex Perez to get up. And then they transition into... Um, Alex Perez is on top, Deveson rolls, grabs the head, gets into a guillotine. Really tremendous BJJ work by Figueredo. And if he can do that, he can beat just about anyone in this division. He has the power to he has the power and technicality technicality to outstrike anyone. And that type of groundwork can beat anyone. So right now. At this 125-pound division, I don't see Figueredo losing for a very, very long time. I look at these guys at the top of the division, and he, in my in my eyes, he can take out pretty much all of them. You know, Brandon Moreno, I think he can take out. I think he can take out. He just took out Perez. You've got Askar Askarov, Pen, Pantoja. I think he beats a lot of these guys at the top of at the top of this flyweight division. I think he's going to be a champ for a long time. He's got some fun matchups coming up. They did announce that him versus Brandon Moreno will be headlining you or he, they will be adding that to UFC 256. So a very quick turnaround for Figueredo here. I mean, him and Moreno both did not really take much damage in their fights. Um, obviously, Moreno versus Roy Vall was a little bit more competitive than Figueredo versus Perez, but they both got out of there in the first round seemingly healthy. I think this was the right match to book. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later because Jan versus Sterling has was the headline for UFC 256. That fight has been called off. So now the headline is Figueredo versus uh, Moreno. So we're going to talk about how the UFC can change things around a little bit to make that pay-per-view a little bit better. Obviously, that night, the, the December 19th card is stacked, the last card of the year. 
So we're going to talk about that more in depth later after we get done breaking down UFC 255. But I think there's a lot of things that the UFC can do on those December 12th and 19th cards to get a quality pay-per-view and a quality fight night back-to-back. Um, moving on. Oh, and I want to talk about Gar- Figgy versus Garbrandt. I think after this Moreno fight, we're going to see Devison Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt. I think that they were going to originally make that fight for last night, but uh, Garbrandt had to pull out. I think for Garbrandt, he's going to have some time to heal here. He has not said when exactly he's going to be able to fight again. I think he will be able to make that 125-pound mark. I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. But for Garbrandt, the issue has always been staying healthy. Uh, That prevented his return this summer due to uh, some health issues. He, his title shot with Figgy obviously got pushed or is getting pushed back because of health issues. So I hope Garbrandt can get healthy and get in there against Figueredo as I do think Garbrandt gives him more of a challenge than the rest of these flyweights. So that should be a fight that we see next year at the minimum. So moving on to Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. This fight was not as close as a lot of people made it seem. Valentina won probably 20 to 22 minutes in that fight. And a lot of people are praising Jennifer Maya for her performance. Well, she did outperform throughout that fight. There's never really a belief that she was going to win. She won that second round with a lot of ground control. But she, you never saw Valentina in a spot where she looked vulnerable or you were worried that she was going to, you know, get submitted. You know, Maya never really challenged her with a finish. Maya had some good work up against the cage. Uh, Nothing too crazy, just holding Valentina there. And then as soon as they disengaged, obviously, Valentina got takedowns. Valentina was the more effective in terms of ground and pound, in terms of both quality and quantity, when she was on the ground and then when they're on their feet Valentina was lighting Jennifer Maya up I think a lot of people are um over overstating how well Maya performed based off the fact that we thought that Shevchenko was going to put her out in the first second round similar to what she did against Chukagan a similar fight to that where Shevchenko looks dominant and then puts her away early Instead, Van, or Jennifer, excuse me, stuck around for the entirety of the fight. She showed great toughness and did outperform what a lot of people think that she would um, perform. But, you know, she never really showed that she had a chance to win the fight, but she still looked good. So, next for Shevchenko is a pretty easy one with Jessica Andrade. And I say easy in the terms of getting it booked. This shouldn't be a hard fight to get booked. I think Andrade is the clear number one contender right now. That's the fight that Dana said at the press conference that he wanted to make that fight with Shevchenko versus Maya, or excuse me, Shevchenko versus Andrade. So we should see that fight in the works. That'll probably take take place early next year. And Andrade definitely earned that title shot after her performance against Chukagan. And I think everyone saw this coming as long as Shevchenko would win. The only way that this Andrade and Shevchenko fight doesn't happen is if they book Shevchenko versus Nunes. And I don't think now is the right time for Shevchenko versus Nunes 3. 
Nunez did win the first two, one of which was very close, and some people believe Shevchenko won. I think they will eventually fight again, but I don't believe that that time is right now, based solely off, you know, Nunez has to go in there with Megan Anderson, and I think by the time that that happens, you can get this Andrade versus Shevchenko business done, and then if neither fighter has a clear contender for the 125, 135, or 145 belt, because Nunez holds both belts, if they don't, if neither fighter has a promising contender, then put them up against each other. But right now, I think it's clear that Megan Anderson is a clear 145 number one contender, while Andrade is a clear 125 pound contender. So right now, let's get those contenders taken care of and get them their title shots. And then later, we can work on some champ champ business. But for right now, Shevchenko versus Andrade and Megan Anderson versus Amanda Nunes. Now, the last fight I want to talk about from UFC 255 is Joaquin Buckley versus Jordan Wright. Now, this fight was surprising to me because Jordan Wright is an incredible striker. Great striking. I believe he comes from a kung fu background. He does have a great highlight reel. I know he has a spinning heel kick on there. So, Jordan Wright is was undefeated before this fight. He is nobody's bum. And Joaquin Buckley, you know, everyone obviously saw his last knockout. It was viral. Now, a lot of people were viewing Buckley as a hype job. And I will be honest, I did see a little bit of that because Buckley is very raw in terms of talent. But I think since his last fight, he showed great improvement. In this fight, I believe he was in control for the majority of the time. He landed more with more powerful shots than Jordan Wright um, compared to his last fight. So he looked a lot better. He didn't, I, the KO obviously wasn't as spectacular. But for, just from the eye test, it looked like Joaquin Buckley improved and showed he's more than a hype job and he's an actual prospect. I mean, just the speed and power that Joaquin Buckley possesses is dangerous for anyone in that 185 pound division. And I am very intrigued to see what Buckley does with his career. He weighed in at 182 for this fight. Now, the limit for him was 186. So he was four pounds under. Now, that is something we don't really see ever. Guys coming in underweight, especially like that. John Anik said he saw Joaquin Buckley drink a body armor before he got on the scale. So those are about a pound, pound and a half of water weight. So his natural weight is probably closer to 180. And he's fighting at 185. Now, I think that that may be the reason he looks so fast and powerful is that he's not dehydrating himself to make 185 and he's strong enough to compete with those 185 pounders. But I think he should make a run to go down to 170 just to see how he feels there. I think when you have the potential to drop a weight class, if he can keep that power, if he can keep that power, get down to 170. You know, he wouldn't have to deal with, he's a, he's shorter and has less reach than a lot of these guys at 185. I think if he can move down to 170, he wouldn't have that problem. So I think Buckley should make the cut to 170 at least once for one fight. See if he can make it. Um, if he does make it, how does that, how does he look at 170? So those are things I want to see from Buckley. And now we're done talking about UFC 255. We're going to take a quick break here. We will be right back. 
All right, my apologies for that pause. We just had to plug in the camera so it didn't die on us. So thank you for that. And moving on, I want to discuss more in depth this Jan versus Sterling fight cancellation. So this was announced that this morning, this is fresh news, that Jan versus Sterling for that December UFC 256 has been canceled for whatever reason. Jan pulled out of this fight, and the reason is undisclosed, but it was not an injury. So we're going to have to, it's really, this is a odd situation here. We don't really see this where we have a champ pull out of a fight and um, not be injured. So that is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. So we'll just have to wait and see. And um, so now they have on that UFC 256 pay-per-view, they have, they were going to try to add that other title fight of Figueredo versus uh, Moreno. But obviously that, so that would be the only title fight on this card for a pay-per-view. The next best fight on that card is JDS versus Gain, which is for a co-main of a pay-per-view is not great. And with the underwhelming title fight of Moreno versus Figueredo, I think this pay-per-view would be even lesser to this UFC 255 pay-per-view we just had. So Ariel Hawani proposed a solution to this problem that I, that I think is very effective. So obviously December 12th, we have the only fights we have booked are Figueredo versus Moreno. That's uh, verbally agreed to, has not been signed yet. And then JDS and Gain is on that December 12th card. But on that December 19th card, you have a whole crew of fights, right? On the December 19th card, you have Leon versus Hazmat. Oh, and on the, on the UFC 256, you also have uh, Ferguson versus... You have Tony versus Charles Oliveira. I've almost forgot about that because that is not updated on this website yet, but that will take place on Saturday, December 12th at UFC 256. But this UFC fight night to end the year is stacked. So on Saturday, December 19th, we have Leon versus Hazmat, Stephen Thompson versus Geoff Neal, Marcin Tabora versus Greg Hardy, Marlon Moraes versus Rob Font, Ryan Spann versus Misha Kirkoff. Then you have Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera. And then on the prelims, the last fight of the prelims is Chaos Williams versus Michelle Pereira. And then you also have Alexandre Pantoja versus Manel Cape, who Manel Cape is making his UFC debut. He was a rising champ. So learn him. He could be up there fighting Figueredo soon. And then we have Bilal Muhammad versus. Diego Lima and Duran Wim versus Antonio Aurora. Aurora, excuse me. And Sahara Eubanks versus Pani Kianaz. So we have a lot of known fighters on this December 12th card. This may be the best UFC fight night ever. So the solution that Ariel Hawani proposed was simple it was make, put this Figueredo versus Moreno on UFC on December 19th, make that UFC 256. Move UFC Fight Night to the week prior, Saturday, December 12th, and make that card Tony versus 
Charles Oliveira for the main event and then having JDS and Gain on that card as well. That would be a quality fight night. And then we would have an outstanding pay-per-view to end the year with a lot of hyped fights with great fighters here. So I think that is the best solution for that issue. We'd be getting a quality pay-per-view rather than, you know, that, that pay-per-view otherwise would be a little bit lackluster to say the least to end the year. So they can end it off with a bang with a lot of contenders fights that mean a lot. A lot of prospects are on that night, December 19th card. So I think that they should make that call to just flop the dates and put Figgy versus Moreno on December 19th. Make that a pay-per-view. I feel like that is a simple um, solution to the UFC's problem. Or you can just move some of these fights from the 19th to the 12th. Um, either way, the, that could the, both those could solve those problems. So, and I want to do a quick praise of the UFC for the matchmaking that they have done recently. Obviously, we just talked about it. Tony versus Charles Oliveira. That fight is going to be a fun fight. It's Tony wanted to fight before the end of the year. Tony pretty much said, give me anybody. They were originally going to get him against Michael Chandler. That fight fell through because Chandler didn't want to fight in 2020. He wanted to wait until January to fight. So we're still looking for a dance partner with Michael Chandler. But we do have Tony versus Charles Oliveira in December. So that will obviously play a large have a large effect on these lightweight rankings and who will be fighting for the belt next. Charles Oliveira is at six, tied with RDA. Tony Ferguson's at three. And if these rumors are true that Habib is retiring, then obviously the winner of this fight will put themselves right into contention for the belt right away. For a long time, Charles Oliveira has been the dark horse in this division. And it's nice to see him moving up in these rankings based off his skill set. I mean, every fight he's getting better. Has the most submissions in UFC history with a very underrated striking game. So I think Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira are two very similar fighters. And I think both these guys have the potential to be the champ in this division right now with Habib gone. With that being said, we still have Conor versus Poirier. And then we got to get Gaethje and Hooker and Chandler and RDA matched up. But for the most part, this lightweight division is starting to get paired up. And we're going to have a new champion here soon because as the days go on, it looks like Habib is not returning. Um, There were a couple more reports. Habib said he didn't want to fight again. Um, There have been more reports coming out. It still looks like Dana is bullish that Habib will fight again. But for the most part, it looks like Habib is retiring. So I think by the time we get to January 23rd, I think there's a good chance that that is for the title and Habib gets stripped. But um, I think that Habib will eventually retire and we'll see this division open up to guys like Tony, Oliveira, McGregor, Poirier. So the UFC lightweight division is going to be fun, fun for the rest of 2020 and early 2021. Moving on, they also booked Holloway versus Calvin Cater for a January fight night main event. I believe that was the 16th, the week before Connor versus um, Poirier. So this is also a 
tremendous matchmaking. I was surprised at first because I thought we were going to see Holloway versus Yair, but it looks like they're still trying to make um or it looks like they're still trying to make Zabit versus Yair. So Holloway wanted to fight again. He goes down to six in the rankings to fight Kelvin Cater. But to be honest, one through six in that division, you know, they're all, they're the clear top contenders in my eyes um, with Volkanovski at champion. So Brian Ortega is going to fight for that belt next. We're still waiting for that to get announced. So for this flyweight, or excuse me, featherweight division, um, really, Holloway versus Cater. I think this is a great fight, great matchmaking. Cater deserves to be moved up in the rankings after his last couple performances. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. And getting Holloway back in there is going to do a lot for getting Holloway another title shot. Holloway deserves that title shot at 145. Eventually, I think he will earn it. But I think he, you know, a lot of people think he won one of those fights against Volkanovski. Some people think he won two. Most people think he won at least one. So I think we'll see him back in there against Volkanovski eventually. And those two are the clear top um, 145-pounders right now. And I think uh, we're going to see a couple of these other guys are going to try and spoil the fun and get in there because they have the potential to do so and the talent to do so. So this 145-pound division is also stacked. We're going to have great fights coming up. Holloway versus Cater. Right now, I'm leaning towards Holloway. But, you know, you never know what will happen in the next two months. And then they also, like we talked earlier, UFC booked Figgy versus Brandon Moreno. That fight was the fight to make, and they got it done two hours after Figueredo got done fighting. So just that, that just goes to show for the UFC is trying to get a quick turnaround for Figgy. I think that's great for his uh, career growth. And I'm excited to see this Figgy versus Moreno matchup. I think Figgy does take this one. I think he's just too talented. I sung his praises at the beginning of this show. So I think Figgy takes this and um, moves on to some big things in his future. UFC also booked Aldo versus Vera. Another great matchup with um, older, older Jose Aldo versus the up-and-comer Marlon Vera. And this is really a move up in the rankings for Vera. I'm surprised that they did it this fast for him. That goes to show how much push they or how much they uh, believed in Sean O'Malley, based solely off you know Vera um, moving up to face Aldo. And you can only imagine what would have happened if O'Malley would have won that. He'd be going up against Aldo or someone even higher in the rankings. So 135 Vera versus. Although we also have Rob Front, Font, excuse me, versus Marlon Moraes. So we're gonna see a lot of movement in these 135 pound in this 135 pound division within the next month, you know. I think Vera and Font can both move up to that top ten and get themselves in a position to maybe challenge for a title eventually with wins, obviously. But then, then again, Aldo and Marais are nobody's chumps. So these are two big opportunities for two up-and-comers in this 135-pound division. We also, it looks like the UFC is close to getting Usman versus Gilbert Burns booked for February's pay-per-view. It looks like that's going to happen. That's not official yet, but it looks like we will be seeing Usman versus Burns in February. And I imagine that that 
fight would have another title fight on there just based off all the cancellations we've seen. We need to get some of these title fights booked. Obviously, Figgy's booked his next title shot in December, but after that, we don't have another title shot booked at all. And there's a lot of guys who need to need to get in there again. Jan, Jan versus Sterling needs to happen, obviously. Volkanovski versus Ortega needs to happen. Jan versus Izzy is probably going to happen in March. I believe that bout has been signed. Camaro versus Burns. Um, we need to figure out what's going on with the lightweight belt. And then Stipe versus Ngadu needs to happen. Nunes versus Anderson needs to happen. We need to get Rose versus Wei Li. So there's a lot of fun fights that the UFC really needs to get booked here soon. And I think we're going to see a run on fights with a couple of stacked pay-per-views to start the year, especially February, March, um, those months. So I think for the future of the UFC, this is going to be a very fun two months. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. So next week's fight card, we're going to end it off talking about UFC Fight Night Blades versus Lewis. This is nothing too crazy is going on on this card. The main event is obviously great. There aren't really any prelim fights that really stand out to me of bright prospects. That's usually what I look for on prelims is who's, who is the bright prospect. There's a couple of talented guys, but I don't see any of those top-tier prospects on the prelims. The main card is not that great, but I think uh, we there's a couple fun fights here. Obviously, Anthony Smith is back versus Devin Clark. I'm surprised that Anthony Smith wanted to get in back in the octagon that soon. I hope he can make a turnaround He's dropped, a, dropped his last couple, so let's hope that Anthony Smith can kind of rebound here and move back up in those uh, light heavyweight rankings. And then the main event, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. I think this is going to be very similar to De or Curtis Blades' last fight. Obviously, Curtis Blades is a great striker, but he's an even better wrestler with great ground and pound. And I think that is going to be what we're going to see from Blaze. I think he's going to, you know, he'll probably put out a tweet within the next couple of days and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to take him down, and I'm going to, you know, land ground and pound. And that's probably what he's going to do to Derek Lewis. And Derek Lewis obviously has an outstanding, outstanding amount of power, and he can end the fight with one punch. But with that being said, I think Blades control, controls this fight on the ground. And I think Blades gets a W. I think Blades is the next best heavyweight that's not named Stipe, Nganu, or John Jones. But with that being said, it's going to be interesting what we see here from Blades in the near future because this heavyweight division is getting backed up. We need to see Miocic versus, we need, or excuse me, we need to say, see Stipe versus Nganu. And then we obviously need to see John Jones versus a champion when John Jones gets here. So the next two fight, title fights are pretty much booked. That's assuming John Jones does not fight Israel Adesanya. If John Jones fights Israel Adesanya, Curtis Blades could come in here and make a push for that heavyweight title. If not, he might have to sit and wait and take out contenders. But he's very close to earning himself a title shot once this division starts getting matched up. You know, Curtis Blades right now is number two behind only Ngannou. And there's a good chance that he can be a lot of these guys behind him using his wrestling. Obviously, I think he can dominate Jarzinho on the ground. He's fighting Derek Lewis. I think he can control Lewis on the ground. And he Blades has really looked good in his last several fights. 
He his last fight was against Alexander Volkov, where he dominated that fight on the ground. And I think we're going to see a lot of that for from Blades in his next couple fights, going up against strikers. He's going to use his wrestling and ground and pound to dominate his way to a title shot. Yeah, he's got uh, his last fight was a decision against Volkov, where he looked very good. Curtis Blades um, also beat JDS. Yeah, he's got several very good wins here, and I think he just keeps stacking these wins. His only losses in his career are to Francis Ngannou, so that just goes to show the level of fighter that he is. And I think he continues to grow, and he is a very underrated striker. So I'm excited to see what's coming up for Curtis Blades in the future. And with that being said, I think that's all I have for today. Nothing crazy has been going on. Um, so we did a little UFC 255 breakdown, talk about some of the potential matchups that have been booked, how to fix that Yan versus Sterling pull from UFC 256 and the great December 19th card. So with that being said, thank you for watching the Head Kick KO podcast and come back next week. Thank you very much.